0: sounds
1: good all right so let's get right into it so um thanks everybody for joining today's space we're going to be exploring bitcoin we got a bunch of great speakers a lot of great perspectives so you know just to get right in, and obviously a lot of crazy news this week um so um you know obviously pertinent uh, so so we'll get right into it and you know get a lot of different perspectives feel free to uh, ask questions or you know join in the conversation as well um if you you don't want to get on the mic you can send me a dm or post comments in uh, the bottom right corner and we'll get to those as well throughout the conversation uh, but otherwise requests michael try to get you on board as well um but i guess to kick things off ty um i'm going to start with you if you don't mind and just kind of you know for me in particular i'm i'm still learning quite a bit about the space um so what brought you to bitcoin as is my first question
0: uh, long story short. So I come from an investing background. Uh, so honestly, my interest came from just trying to make some money. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I became aware of it in 2013, uh, and kind of just by osmosis over time. It took me about four years of you know people talking about it in my spaces and network and you know just constantly hearing about it through through like side conversations and stuff. Um, and then in the 2017 cycle when uh it's just started going parabolic and there was more eyes on it. Uh, I kind of just one night, one day I was out, <laughs> I was out at the bars and I was talking to this guy who uh, was like was a Bitcoin trader and he had an algorithm who was just making bank, he was making millions of dollars. So he said, I mean, it was in a bar, so you have to take with a grain of salt. But the next day I went and put like fifty dollars into Bitcoin at like it was at like seven thousand dollars. Price of Bitcoin was at like seven thousand dollars or something like that. And then every week I was just putting in like a hundred dollars, fifty dollars, and I couldn't lose, right? It just was addicting. Every every week it was just going up because it was high to the peak or height of the bull market. Uh just kept doing that every week just throwing a little bit of money in and then height of that cycle got to about eighteen the price of Bitcoin got to about eighteen thousand dollars. You know, I was feeling on top of the world and then things kept crumbling down. So originally it was from uh uh, just trying to make some money and having fun with it. And then wasn't until 2019 when I really started building the conviction and tried to really understand what Bitcoin was. Um, it took me down a rabbit hole of learning about Bitcoin, what money is, uh, through navigation of our, like, understanding more of our banking system. So it wasn't really until the, the bear market where I started to really build the conviction. Um, and really, uh, but yeah, it all stemmed from just trying to make some money from an investment point of view.
1: That's interesting. That the bear market is where you really start to get conviction, right? That's where a lot of people start running um, because they're, they, you know, they lose um, conviction or they didn't have it in the first place and were merely speculating. And you, I'm wondering, you know, what your thoughts are around that today, right? And anybody's thoughts really along these lines because we've got, you know, crypto. We've we've got in the space um Obviously, some major concerns, and but at the same time, um, Bitcoin, I mean, I, just from a technical standpoint, from what I'm looking at, the charts, it looks to be strengthening and holding uh, firm, just from a, again, purely technical analysis standpoint. So, um, I guess, what are, what are you looking forward to at the moment, Ty? I know you're long-term, by the way. Like, I get that. But, um, yeah, what, what do you, I guess, in the near term, is there something that, that you're in particular looking forward to?
0: Uh, I mean, I you know, I glance at charts. I do look at them just because it's super interesting. I'm more focused on the fundamentals. Uh, so Bitcoin, it's unlike any other assets, not like unlike any stocks where, like, there's actually true transparency into the network. So you can actually gauge, like, what is happening under the hood, like how many uh, wallets are popping up, how many wallets of at least one Bitcoin are coming or are being added, uh, you can see how much computing power is in the network. Is it decentralized? Where is where things going on? Then you can just kind of see general chatter on Twitter, um, and news articles, and seeing where like kind of money's flowing. Um, that's where I'm focusing more of my attention. Uh, there's definitely a like dichotomy between uh, the strength of Bitcoin as a network and the price. Um, you're seeing obviously price down quite a bit from the highs. Uh, But like you said, there seems to be some sort of strength in the fundamentals, Uh, and I think a big part of that, or a strength in the technicals, and I think a big part of that is the fundamentals, which brings strong conviction, at least for the long term, because uh, we're definitely seeing some shaky economic stuff and a lot of things going on around Bitcoin, but Bitcoin continues to produce uh, block after block
2: and just keeps moving on. I completely agree with uh, Ty there. Um, Bitcoin is getting stronger and stronger. We know that, Um, but there are still lots of uh, skeptics that don't understand the fundamentals of the Bitcoin network. I think um, looking at the future, um, for me, I'm looking more at the applications, the non-monetary applications, like the NFTs, um, potentially uh things like smart contracts on bitcoin network i feel that's something that's making bitcoin more popular now and there's been a lot of noise around bitcoin the past uh, few months uh, because of the uh the ordinal um nfts so that's something i want to see how it's going to work because there are still questions around the speed and the cost so in the coming months we'll see if this um Ordinance NFT is going to be something that will make Bitcoin um, adopt more um, usage around retail investors and people within the Web3 space as well, NFT communities uh, especially. So that's something that I personally want to see. Uh, but but, but the, um, the thing that's happening right now with uh, Silicon Valley Bank has literally defined the, the importance of Bitcoin itself. Because in the past, people have always, uh, the skeptics have always said that uh, Bitcoin wasn't the true store of value, but we know that it is a true true store of value, Um, and now we can see that now. And countries like uh, El Salvador that has adopted Bitcoin as a legal tender, I feel like they are doing the right thing. It's just a matter of time, and they will start to see the the rewards of what they've done. And I I hope that most countries in in Africa, especially the third-world countries, I hope they will do the same thing and and um, this uh reliance on the u.s dollar needs to needs to slowly reduce I, I believe that should be the future of money yeah i mean that's
3: can you guys uh hear me
1: yeah yeah go for it
3: okay. yeah yeah hey everybody all you uh, beautiful people uh, out there. Yeah. um hey so yeah no i am um, <clears throat> i'm kind of uh, in agreement like i mean i i I got into Bitcoin from an idealistic uh, perspective, right? So I I work in institution uh, in an institutional environment for fourteen years, and so I kind of understand um, the mentality and and uh, sort of the power structure and the, the hierarchy and, and and how it how it works or basically how it doesn't work. And um, <clears throat> I kind of got into this idea, you know, like, well, what if you like, what if you um, let's say you made less and less money every year, but that money um, bought you more and more. So let's say like you made $70,000 this year and it bought you X amount, but the next year you made $65,000 and it bought you about, I don't know, you know, X plus, you know, Y more. And, and, and that, that keeps on going and going and going. So I thought I, I, I got a little bit into the idealistic side of the deflationary aspect of, of, um, of money I kind of went down a rabbit hole and uh so when i found bitcoin it was kind of like well this is um for me it's like i don't care if it's bitcoin to be honest like i mean i i love bitcoin um but i love kind of i don't see anything else um fitting into that category you know um and so um yeah from from an an idealistic perspective i mean like the, the security of the network taking the value of money out of the hands of government and out of the hands of institutions uh, and uh, and kind of the deflationary and how it sort of helps to enable the deflationary aspect of technology um, as, as time progresses and, and then kind of it kind of um, enables that that, that, that that kind of deflationary force to, to, to really fully um, yeah, uh, what's the what's the term to fully kind of realize itself, I suppose. So yeah, that's sort of why why I got it, involved in it.
1: Thanks for joining Eric, and this is great stuff. And I wanna I wanna actually circle back to actually both both of you were commenting on. Newbie was commenting on the smart contracts, and that's something that I find endlessly fascinating. It seems like a way to. Uh, transfer wealth utilizing blockchain technology and um, in, in particular you know in the realm of artists for example is one example um, we've got the you know artists selling things upfront and early for a small amount of dollars and then their art being resold multiple times over so I know that's a bit of a tangent but you know that idea of being able to get percentages of your art after it's been resold multiple times forward is what actually pulled me into the space like that whole idea of smart contracts um i started thinking about real estate and how that might apply and just big picture and eric i've seen a lot of your posts just very big picture on on the subject in general um and you know yeah a lot of passion in the space go ahead
3: yeah yeah so no um i've i've written like i i kind of reversed my my of approach to kind of getting into this world, you know, and kind of becoming an, an, an influencer and maybe starting to monetize, like I kind of got it, I did reverse, so I, I created a website and um, I created a blog and I started writing article after article after article and I did a lot of research, didn't get any, any traffic, of course, and, you know, then we're like in the one of the worst economic, you know, environments in modern history and, um, you know, it's kind of a, an odd time to start a... Uh, a Bitcoin business when when Bitcoin's like dropped, you know, 50 percent, seventy percent value. But um, yeah, no, like uh, I talked a little bit about the concept of the, of the blockchain trilemma, and uh, this is exactly what you guys are talking about, and this is what uh, I, I sorry as the newbie newbie kind of alluded to, like the um, the uh, the NFTs. So this is called scaling, right? So um, this is why crypto, yeah, like scalability, this is why other crypto exists because Bitcoin. Forever, you know it solved the security problem it solved the decentralization problem but it could not it was not scalable right and it also like didn't make really good you know um, sort of a unit uh, a of transaction because it really it wasn't very um, efficient as a transactionary thing but it did because uh, it didn't have any scalability that's what crypto became right that's what crypto turned into so um, but now now, with the Lightning Network, we're seeing scalability start to be built, built into the Bitcoin blockchain. And this is going to change the game for crypto in general, for sure. Because now they've completed Bitcoin, and, and, and Bitcoin scalability kind of completes the, 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 the circle of, um,
1: of earning uh, potential and cre-
3: creative, creativity potential as well. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Hey, before we go on any further, sorry to cut you off.
0: Uh, I think Rajat is having trouble getting added, you know, uh, how to add him as a
1: speaker name. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I, I've been noticing space has been having glitches. Rajat, if you can, hit, um, request to speak. And if that seems to be working, I've been sending you the invites, but it doesn't seem to want to go through. It, it also, Rajat, it may be that um, your mic is tr- your mic isn't synced. So you may have to give your mic position uh, uh, permission on your phone. That's what happened to me. Ah, good call. So okay, so I'll work on that with Rajat, and we'll get, we'll get him lined up here, get him online. Um, so I wanted—I don't know, if newbie—if you had comments on that, the um, the the expandability, you know, what we're building on here. I th- I th- the comments that Eric just made. Did you did you have anything to add there? Not to put you on the spot, but. Um, it, yeah, I completely agree with Eric. Um,
2: the Bitcoin network is still scaling. There are so much applications that can actually run on the Bitcoin network, it's just a matter of time. I believe that um, what the, um, the team at the Ordinal, the, what they've done so far is, is amazing. It's kind of opened the, um, opened the door for more, more, more applications and more stuff to be built on Bitcoin network. The only problem I see is just the, um, the speed and the transaction time uh, because they are saying that obviously from this concept of the ordinals is the satoshi um uh, numbers themselves that are being used to imprint those um assets like the nfts on, on the bitcoin network so i'm just more concerned about the speed how fast would that be because um, um one of the problems that we've had with bitcoin has always been the speed and the, and the cost so if that can be, can be resolved, I see, I see lots of potential for the Bitcoin network itself, um, in terms of application. Yeah, that's what the the lightning network, um, kind of
3: is about in terms of scaling the, uh, scalability in terms of transactions, like the unit of transaction. That's so, right. but, but Not yeah, for it. NFTs and, 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 video and gaming and that kind of thing, it's still a little ways to go for sure. Right, right. I completely agree with that. So these type of platforms
0: you guys you talk about, Lightning Network, uh, these are, I don't know if uh, like maybe you know, but these are like Layer 2 solutions, so it's actually a, re- like a removed system, like a removed layer of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's uh, fundamental uh, blockchain kind of talks to this other one, so you kind of remove your Bitcoin and put it on this Layer 2, and then it you can facilitate uh, quicker transactions um, so it's that's how Bitcoin is able to scale to be more of a transactional right like, use cases.
1: Gotcha, yep, that's helpful. and um you know, I appreciate you breaking that down a little bit because I think that we're gonna have a lot of folks that are uh, potentially new right just trying to learn and understand to your point the fundamentals of Bitcoin um, so I guess along those lines. What would you say are some of the key things for you know folks that are getting into it, um, trying to understand it, you know Bitcoin on a fundamental basis? Um, what are some of the things you would say to hone in on? I mean, you mentioned uh, looking at the transparency and being able to uh, see the number of wallets and co- computing patterns and just money flow transparency. Is there something that you utilize to to look at all of those things, or is that actually a little bit more advanced? And maybe there's something else other you know, that, that we should be focusing on is you know, newer to Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I think all of us, uh, Eric Nubian, uh, Privacy Smurf, uh, Zenalytics on stage, will probably all have different takes on this. Um, I think looking at the stuff that I was talking about earlier, we are looking at the the on chain fundamentals, so like the growing amount of Uh, bitcoin wallets the amount of computing power that's a little bit more technical um but you can simply just even look at headlines and like buzz around like a few years ago there wasn't even there was hardly there's hardly any like bitcoin education out there and now you like you can find infinite amounts of bitcoin education so knowledge is growing about it you just just simply do like look on uh twitter or go on youtube There's podcasts everywhere. Everybody's starting their own little Bitcoin podcast or YouTube show. Um, So there's so much information out there and so many books. Uh, But you can also just look at headlines, right? Like you see all the information about um, banks failing or CBDCs. And then right after that, there's going to be talks about uh, Bitcoin. Um, So there's just a lot more buzz and chatter going on that you can just kind of latch on to. Obviously, Bitcoin is a kind of a an attack or it's competing against the traditional system so people inside the traditional system are going to either have a negative view about it or yeah or talk down about bitcoin so you kind of have to look at research with a grain of salt and learn from there but there's so many good use cases and growing um, and it's growing uh, globally um, from both the store value and uh, transactional point of view
3: but i'd like to hear what others have to say about that yeah, I don't want to hog the space either, but I, I like I completely, um, I'm completely on you know agree with you actually on this. But I think the main thing, if you're new to the, the Bitcoin idea, you know, there's a lot of people. You know, I, I think I actually it was probably my best, um, my best haul ever for followers. I I, I pissed somebody off so drastically that um, I got actually got 21 followers from him, and um, he, he I think he retweeted me. And basically called me every name in the book, and it's just because I I, I said you know to get off zero, and I basically said like uh, yeah it's a Ponzi, and uh, the Fed is a Ponzi, and um, <clears throat> what I mean by that is like, I guess if you if you're getting into Bitcoin, you should you should sort of ask yourself well, what's what why is Bitcoin different like what is what 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 is why is Bitcoin different than than cash like, or why is it different than a CBDC like what is like what like what is what is the difference? And I think that's the main question. I think you should ask yourself, and then that, that'll kind of open up the rabbit hole with respect to, you know, you know, what it, what it, what it intent is. What its true intent is, you know. That.
4: If if I could step in here, I'm sorry, I'm driving right now. I'm almost home. Um, but like one of the things, like I, I feel like I have a, a sort of like different take on on all of that, like. Yes, I I agree you should think of what the intent is and like what what Bitcoin is. But I think it's, like for me I try to think of it more like what it can be and like what it can't be because it has the potential to be like this game changing new paradigm, but also like the things that help it to be that way, like it's also hurts it like like Bitcoin's a technology. necessarily like these idealistic things like yeah there are some of the but we don't live in like a super idealistic world and like most people are brought to are brought to bitcoin for the financial aspect like 100 percent money on it or
3: whatever and like 1,000%. That, 1,000%. that
4: type of like that type of attraction can be controlled like that adoption can be controlled by the financial aspect because retail and like everyone else is never going to have enough money to like really drive Bitcoin to, like, you know, a billion dollars or whatever, you know, like, that's not going to happen without institutional level adoption. And if the powers that be don't want that to happen because they cannot control Bitcoin to a certain degree, then all they have to do is have enough of it and control the market enough to, like, disciple the price, like, keep pricing low, like, manipulation of price would keep people from speculating on Bitcoin. And without, like, the speculation, like, you don't get the eyes on it for, like, you know people who don't know anything about Bitcoin, like the speculation was what draws the most people to Bitcoin, not the idealistic side of it. Oh, great. So it's like, great. It's like really tough because, like, what do you
3: do? Like, I want, like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, here's here's the way I yeah, here's the way I see it. I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Everyone who gets into Bitcoin gets in to make money. There's like, you know, I think they would be, it would be fibbing if that wasn't the case. I mean, that's why I got into it. And I see people tend to stay in it for the for the ideology, uh, you know, aspect. I think. Um, you know, those who stay in it, those who've been in it for like 13 years. But yeah, for me, it's, um, I mean, I, yeah, you're, you're totally completely right. And there is no intrinsic value. It's just like, it's like fiat that way. And it's all contingent on, on adoption. But I see the way I see it is like us in the West. Again, I, I'll try to avoid the, uh, the, the ideological discussions and I'm in, I'm in Canada. So my perspective is a little bit different because I see government shit show every day. So um, it's a little bit different than America. <laughs> There's still you have a degree of uh, people who are sane. Um, we have a less, less, less number, uh, less percentage of that here in Canada, especially where I am. But um, the the biggest the biggest issue, or the way, way I see it, is uh, I see adoption happening in um, third world countries. Like they're escaping the the, the 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 incalculable corruption of their central banks and their governments, and they're escaping into like stable coins. Crypto and Bitcoin, and I see that's I see that sort of level of adoption, kind of like what newbie said in the beginning, like that's where I think it it, it starts. It starts over there. It's not going to start here. It's going to start over there.
0: All right. It looks hey. like we got Rajat added to
5: the speaker list. So. Hey, finally. Oh, that took a, that took a long time. Um, how's it
1: going? Hey, welcome, Rajat. Glad you could join us. And yeah, the Thank you. don't take don't take it personally. The Twitter space has been just uh, just difficult with everybody trying to get on the speaker on the mic. So, but yeah, you've have you been able to listen in? Did you have uh, any initial comments? Um, we've been talking a lot about what brought us into Bitcoin, um, but you know, it's it's evolved from there. Um, yeah, what initial thoughts do you have?
5: Oh, so, I mean, in the beginning, I, just like everybody else, I actually thought it was a scam, thought it was, uh, thought it was garbage, so, um, I didn't really join until, I I didn't really start learning until 2020 or 2019, late 2019, um, after that, I mean, it, it, just went from there, I started listening to podcasts, I'm literally listening to probably, um, I'd say maybe like Two to three hours of content every single day from just random podcasts, random companies that are making content about this. Right? I mean, there's like Bitcoin Magazine. They're huge. They, I think I've listened to like just about every single one of their podcasts. So, um, I think over time, it's it it, it's, it just takes some time to actually get into it to learn the basics. Once you learn the basics, though, it it becomes a lot easier to absorb everything.
1: Yeah, so we we were moving around the room. Todd, did we get around the room to everybody with respect to, you know, the I guess the last question we were talking about when I, I started talking about, you know, what to look for and you know what what you're actually looking for when you're starting off with respect to Bitcoin. Um, I think so. I don't know, if newbie.
2: Did you have anything to add to that? Uh, not really, not really. Actually, uh, for me, I just look at the. Uh, for so Bitcoin, I look at the security that Bitcoin has. Uh, Bitcoin is the most secure cryptocurrency right now because it's been battle tested a couple of times, and the fact that uh, the number of Bitcoin that's going to be out of circulation, twenty-one million, it gives you a, a good sense of um, a sense of confidence that that, um, that Bitcoin is the answer to inflation. So what I'm looking at is the security within the network. I'm looking at the speed within the network. I'm looking at the amount of adoption, the applications that have been built within the network itself. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next few months. Personally, I'm very excited with the order now uh, NFTs. I feel it's, uh, it's taking Bitcoin to the next level uh, because uh, Bitcoin has always been spoken of as peer-to-peer money. But now we know that, that Bitcoin can do more than that. So that's something that I'm much uh, focused on at the moment.
0: So where do you think that ordinals would take us then? Because clearly that adds more functionality to it. And it's created a lot of uh, tension, I guess, within the Bitcoin space because a lot of people view Bitcoin as sound, hard money. Like it's just supposed to fix money, right? Which is the biggest... Issue on the planet, right? If the money is corrupted, everything else around it becomes corrupted. And so, when you add ordinals to it, it adds you know more complexity to it, which is uh, like you're talking about. You can add inscriptions, so you can mark up the blockchain, and then you can add NFTs. Um, so what? Do, so I guess what is your view on that? Like, where do you think ordinal take us?
1: And real quick, um, um, before you get into that, I just and maybe I missed it, but. And you were kind of getting into it there, but what are for the very you know basic breakdown here? What are the ordinals exactly? Like what is this allowing uh, Bitcoin to do? Uh,
0: so I'm still trying to learn the, uh, learn more about it. Maybe newbie knows more, but it it, it it adds more functionality to it. So you essentially can add um, NFTs to the blockchain, and it's it's directly on chain. It's not like we were talking about the Lightning Network, where it's the second layer we're going to uh, work directly on chain right. so it's it's uh directly impacting bitcoin uh so you essentially make nfts and other photos and stuff
1: directly on okay. chain right
2: I, I think i think the, the way i see the original nft is, is like uh, you see when you when you break down uh, when you break down a block you get pieces of block inside so that's how i see it so is actually giving value to satoshi so uh for those who don't know what satoshi is that's the that the units the 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 molecular units for bitcoin so uh every hundred million satoshi is equal to one bitcoin so what the guys at ordinance have done is they've actually been able to uh inscript um assets like the nfts into each satoshi to give that satoshi itself value so you're not just looking at the bitcoin itself you're looking at the units of bitcoin so that that's something that is really really exciting um, but for now it looks like it's, it's working fine but uh, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the next few months because there are still a couple of questions and concerns being um, um, raised regarding to the, uh, the bitcoin nfts in terms of um, additional applications um, there are, there are speculation that they could possibly Look at uh, adding more asset classes like uh, lands, land purchases, um, houses, uh, real estate, um, smart contracts. That is something that is really, really challenging to do on the Bitcoin network. But um, it's something that still is possible, uh, but it's just a matter of time. Right. I, I think before I think before any of that happens, though
5: I, I think the world really needs to look at Bitcoin as money, right? I, I feel like I feel like before before that happens, before we start thinking of it as creating art projects or um, being able to own real estate on the blockchain, I think before any of that happens, I think I think adoption is the key. More people need to understand how it works. More people need to understand the the benefits, the values. I don't. I, like out of it let's say for example if i were to talk to 50 people i don't think more than like two to three will actually know what bitcoin is right and I, I don't think that i feel like the focus here should be like the focus of uh like i i know you guys think of the the future of bitcoin in a different way but i think a lot of people really need to know what exactly bitcoin is before Anything else can be done. I, I, unless unless a majority of the world is willing to use it as a transaction uh, layer, like like the the layer one as a or even lightning like level layer two. Um, as long it, until most of the world is willing to use it to actually pay for their bills, like their utilities or to pay for groceries i don't think bitcoin i don't think the the nfts i mean the the ordinals i don't really think that they're going to really add that much value right <laughs> so can
3: so i ordin- thought- sorry go ahead yeah uh, sorry i do want to jump in there yeah so basically for those of you guys who don't know and i think i think um newbie and, and Rajat kind of covered it pretty good but essentially what 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 an ordinal is is um it's a layer two protocol that's built. That's pegged to a Satoshi, which is the which is the um, the hundred millionth unit of a Bitcoin. Okay, so it's a pegged, It's a, it, it's it's a protocol that allows users to kind of send and receive um, Sats, which are the the, the hundred millionth unit of, of, of uh, Bitcoin. But there, the, the, these Sats they carry extra data on it, on top of it, right? So that's 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 the idea of, of the ordinal. But um, it's a layer two thing. But yeah, I agree with Rashad because, but I think it's sort of separate. Like, Sats are separate. Like the layer two protocol is is built on top of Bitcoin. So, but I, I agree. I, I'm fully idealistic when it comes to like Bitcoin itself. I, 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 think, yeah. I mean, I get, I get all that. I get all that. But I
5: think the the issue right now is that people don't even know what money is. You know what I mean? even like, yeah, Most people don't even understand that money is supposed to have certain characteristics or it's supposed to have certain uses. I think most people just think of money as, oh, it's it's in my pocket. Money is money. That's what I've been grown. That's what I've been, uh, that's what I know. That's how I grew up. Everybody uses paper as money. I feel like the more important thing is, it, it isn't really the, I mean, the art, the art is obviously important. But I think more people need to understand that Bitcoin
3: is uncorruptible, an uncorruptible way to transfer value. Yeah, and I think I think that Bitcoin. Right. I think you're gonna see as time passes, and I'm I'm already starting to see it. People are, are connecting. They're they're starting to differentiate Sats <laughs> Sats and Bitcoin. Like I don't know if you, yeah. you noticed it yet, but they're starting to kind of connect, link, like all of this all all of this other stuff to the right. SAT themselves but I, I i completely agree with you like if i i agree with you 100 percent when it comes to this concept of of uh deflation versus inflation you know and sort of yeah the corruption of money versus what you know versus versus like sound money really, a lot of people don't even know it's sat's are satoshi that, right
0: so like so bitcoin yeah, is still yeah. unfamiliar i've talked to a lot of people in my networking groups
1: who are into,
0: like, uh, personal finance investing on Twitter, and they, like, still think that Bitcoin is, like, oh, wow, I won't even touch that, so I won't even, like, like, like your post or something, right? So, like, a lot of people are still, like, super uncertain and, like, sketch about it for like, and, like, we get so, like, for us, like, we're heavily involved in it, so, like, we think that, like, everybody knows about it, but in reality, like, a lot of people are still, like, uncertain and don't really know anything about
5: it. Right, I, I think a lot of people, I think once, I think one uh, One of the more important things that, that can happen in the industry is if instead of, uh, instead of saying, oh, a Bitcoin is worth $20,000, I feel like it would be better to say something like, for every dollar you have, or for every penny you have, you can buy this many Satoshis.
4: I, right. I, and, I agree and... with you, I agree with you on this, mm-hmm. but like, the problem is, like, you're, you're using a lot of like everyone and most people and whatever. And it's like, well, right how do you get everyone on board for anything? You know, like, that's not right. feasible. And like, also, like, yes, Bitcoin is uncorruptible money, but like, that's, that's like your take on it. And like, that mm-hmm. I understand that it's also a thing. But like, what if I don't care if it's uncorruptible money? Like, I don't, you know, like, some some people don't care about that. So like, you can't, oh, yeah, you can't put just that, uh, like, just that, uh, attribute to it and like say, this is, what oh, of is course. how we need to do it so like right if bitcoin can be anything for anybody then like it's always going to be something different for everybody so like right. what do you how like like that i think that's like ultimately the problem with bitcoin as like okay. a thing because like it can be anything so it will be everything yeah. I, See, think I think that's a blessing just, and a
0: curse though right like we yeah. have like i'll go to bitcoin data and i'll i'll talk i'll it'll just be people who are into coding and technology and they're just so fascinated by the technology and I'm sitting there as an investor and a macro guy thinking this is like the savior to a lot of the, the uh, economic and financial problems that we're having now and so it's like beautiful when like all of us are coming at it at a different angle and you can't really uh, we all have our own views on it I think like you said I think it's a blessing but a lot of people could view it as a curse too because it does uh, I guess create a lot
5: of Narrative problems within this space. I think I think it's very valuable to see it from different perspectives. I feel like, like if you if you were to talk to ten different people,
3: each one might have a different reason for finding it valuable. Yeah, I, I saw this amazing chart. This amazing chart, and, and this kind of puts my perspective into it. It's like, again, uh, Bitcoin is, is is built is is designed specifically to forcibly replace fiat forever. And, and, separate, and separate government from from control of value of money forever, right? So that's a problem. It's going to be a problem for the people at the top of these pyramid schemes, right? Uh, but yeah, like well, that's I, I definitely see that. But you know, like like um, sorry, I, I can't pronounce it. Like Zeno said, it's like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna care. I think in the beginning they're gonna they're gonna be attracted to the NFTs. They're gonna be attracted to the gaming, maybe through Sats or whatever. But I think they're gonna stay. for the reasons that you and I stay. You know, um, yeah, that's my thing.
5: I think, the, I think the most important thing anybody could do is, is look at different perspectives, learn from different, learn, learn, learn from first principles, right? Like, if you don't know what money is, you're probably not going to understand Bitcoin. If you don't know what inflation is, you're probably not going to find any value in Bitcoin. Like, most people have no clue that their money is being stolen from them right I, I think once you once you put that perspective in somebody's mind that's what really changed my perspective i i didn't really think like oh i i, I used to think oh i have twenty dollars this twenty dollars is gonna be twenty dollars and i can just keep it under my bed ba- my bed and or my under my mattress and in 10 15 years i can use it to buy whatever i want but then once you look at like most people don't don't remember the fact that oh a big mac costs 25 cents 100 years ago, or however long ago, but they, they see the fact that, oh, right now it's worth $5, I have $5, I can pay for it. People seem to really forget about history, people forget about what's happened in the past.
1: So, I think what you guys, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead, Zinolex. Uh You can just call me Privacy Smurf, it's fine. Alright, Privacy Smurf, um, thanks.
4: More, like realistic approach because like, the, like yes, people's money is getting like stolen from them every day. But like, it's also like a very privileged stance to be idealistic with your money. Like if you like you can't like if Bitcoin is not a transactional currency right now to use it in that manner, then like I can't. I'm uh, not me, but like you know, like I can't afford to put my time and energy into. Bitcoin and and things like that because like it's not it can't help me today it can't help me like in this potential future that may exist because like I need to exist today I need to exist next week you know like it's 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 problematic because we have to like we can have all these aspirational dreams but we still have to exist in the world that exists right now and like how we have to like live you know
5: yeah no I agree with that hundred percent great way to say it I, I was actually speaking to somebody from. Uh... From Ethiopia, I had a client from Ethiopia who wanted to just talk about, I guess, finance. And he was saying to me how um, their currency is losing thirty percent every year. So to us, seven percent seems bad, but to them, seven percent is amazing. Right? Like it, compared to their thirty percent loss every single year in in their own currency, they would rather they'd rather hold somebody that something that's losing seven percent. And at that point, I mean, they don't even think of Bitcoin as... They haven't even had that paradigm shift that, oh, I'm losing 7% here, but it's possible for me to lose nothing.
1: So, I... But it, yeah, if
0: we, if we go, on the, go on top of that, like, there's, like, uh, privacy for saying, like, we, in a lot of, like, in the United States and Western world, like, we live in a state of, you know, privilege where, you know, our currency is pretty stable, our uh are you know our laws so you have property rights so you can protect what you have right so you have all these options to have a stable you know system or a stable like wealth growth or whatever but there's so many countries out there that have double digit inflation constantly or see 100 percent inflation and that's where like the real growth is going to start seeing um the saying the people that need bitcoin are the people that adopt it faster and you're really seeing that around the world going on right now it's like when stuff was going on in the middle east when uh you know we the united states was pulling out troops and all that afghanistan became the number one use case uh or number one uh, nation state of adoption during that time period because people needed to transfer their wealth uh, immediately so
3: yeah. people resort yeah. to it when they need it well, we're not in crisis yeah. mode yet we're not in crisis mode yet i firmly believe we're going to get we're going to get into crisis mode but we're going to have to start uh, you know it's going to get bad here and people are going to start thinking about it but absolutely uh, privacy's is correct like you know we're, like right now you know that's not what, what are, what's on people's mind you know um, they they may be feeling the pinch but they're not in panic mode like they are in lebanon or nigeria where they're forcing cbdcs on people right and of course the nigerians you know with the scam so they know they know exactly what's up right so they're not you know and then now their bank is like uh it's gone from coercion now to just force yeah i think that's key i feel once I, but but that's the thing
5: I, I once you once you actually find the use for it it's too late even in nigeria i think it was nigeria they were selling bitcoin was selling at a 60 percent premium right? yes it was yeah so, so once you need it once you're forced to use it or once you're forced to buy it or the government is forcing you to buy a CBDC or spend a CBDC, I mean, that's, at that point, it's a little late because nobody's going to want to sell it to you, right?
1: You know, from the outside, a different, slightly different perspective maybe, um, but talking about the same things you guys are all hitting on here, I think, is from a taking a purely salesman approach, I know that it sounds kind of cheesy maybe, but you know, Really, what you need for Bitcoin, in my opinion, is, you know, why do we need it, right? If there's been all these comments, and that's what you guys are all hitting on here is when there's that real need case, that's when, you know, that's when you get people to line up. So, you know, right now it's, you know, to, to a lot of the points being made already, there's not a lot of knowledge and education around what money is in general. So, you know, why we would we need Bitcoin versus just the dollars in my pocket or the credit card or whatever, you know, I think that is a key thing that you're hitting on. And you know, newbie started the conversation talking about El Salvador, and you know, Eric, you made a couple other uh, strong points along the same lines. It's those countries that are in the in the spot where they need it, right, to battle double digit, just out of out of bounds inflation, and obviously, um, you know, monetary system that's gone out of out of whack. Um, so that's just that's one thing. And then the other side of it from my perspective is and just in just conversations I've been having with you know friends, family whoever is the security side of it, and we haven't gotten into that too much um but maybe you guys can expand on this a little bit and help me understand help folks learn about you know you've got you hear about these exchanges going under, and so there's a lot of nervousness around that right so use case is definitely one thing, but also I want my money to be secure I don't want to worry about and and you know we've got banks just going you know going under this week and so um there's obviously a lot of concern about people um storing their money and and keeping it safe so you know I hear about cold cold storage cold wallet storage and but I don't think there's a lot of education around what that is and how that all works so I guess and I'll open it up to the floor here, um, which can be dangerous, so you guys try not to talk over everybody, but, you know, uh, what are, what are thoughts, some thoughts around um, that, breaking through that barrier of of the security, and, and what, what are some things you guys use to store your, your Bitcoin while you're accumulating? Who wants to take that one on? Uh, let, let, me, let me go with that one, please. Go for it. Uh,
2: Um, I don't know if everyone knows how the blockchain works, but every individual connected to the Bitcoin network runs the network. So for you to hack the Bitcoin network, you have to hack every single computer that is connected to the Bitcoin network, which which is impossible. And the fact that Bitcoin has been around for a very, very long time also shows that it is very secured in terms of storing your bitcoin um i would say the best places is there is the uh, is the cold wallet that's the hard wallet for those who don't know what cold wallet means it is the hard wallet uh there are different types out there i personally use the the ledger wallet uh there are other ones like the trezor um there is the safe wallet as well so the um what makes the code wallet unique is that it is not connected to the internet. So once once you disconnect your USB from your computer, there's no way that I'll have any hacker can access your, your phones. The only problem you would have with the code wallet is storing the, the key phrases that you have to keep somewhere safe. Uh, because if you lose your code wallet, you're going to need those uh, key phrases to recover your coins um i think that's the only thing that people need to be able to do safely with the, for, for themselves so uh in terms of the exchanges um what i would advise people to do is just put your money on the exchange when you want to trade not when you uh, want to keep money there waiting for it to go up in value then you can exchange it for another crypto i think that's that's a lot of risk you're taking there it's best to keep your funds on your wallet. When you need it to to trade, or if you have to send it to someone else, then you can transfer the crypto funds into the exchange wallet. Because the exchanges have control of the the wallet, and if anything happens to the exchange, uh, if if there's a hack or like what happened with FTX, then you you are more or less uh, in a a very messed up place. Uh, So personally, Bitcoin is, is the strongest cryptocurrency. It's very, very secured. Uh, code wallets are the best ways to store your cryptos so, so can just, I just, just so people like and some might be might be confused here
5: about what a cold wallet is or a wallet is in general uh, a wallet is simply uh, a way to store your passphrase it's just it, it just stores your passphrase. your your coins aren't on your wallet your coins are it's basically just a way for you to access your coins it, it just you sign transactions you um, it's like it's like logging into a uh, bank website and the bank is the one that owns the money the one the bank is the one that holds the money you just have access to it through your app like let's say for example if you lose your phone and you're logged into your uh, your bank app it's not like you're gonna lose your money right its same thing with a wallet if you as long as you store your phrase correctly as long as you have it stored somewhere uh, safe, all you're doing is if you lose the wallet, or if it dis- if it malfunctions, or anything happens to it, you're you're going to be able to access your money th- through your through the um, any wallet. I, I guess any wallet as long as you have your phrase,
3: your passphrase. Well, so so a wallet is is um, a physical piece of hardware, okay, mm-hmm. physical piece of hardware that you actually plug in and take out of the of your of your phone or a computer or whatever right of your of your actual mm-hmm. device so that's what cold storage is it's like a physical piece of hardware that has your keys on it your key phrase your password on it a very sophisticated password you, you take off right and you actually have it in your hand it's like a usb jump drive like ledger looks like a jump drive like a very fancy jump drive okay that's what that's what a, well, a hard a hard sort of cold storage wallet is okay and sorry, midpoint, I'm yeah Answer am go ahead no go ahead i was just going to say bitcoin the reason why you know um newbie talked about exchanges because bitcoin is unique in the sense that there's nobody that stands in between you and your bitcoin there's no middleman there's no group there's nothing but an exchange is a middleman so they now have custody of your stuff you don't have custody of anything that's yours like i've been ripped off. six ethereum that have been stolen right because i relied on them and they took it so that's what a cold storage wallet allows you to do takes it takes it off and even even like a like a what do you call it uh some of the software wallets you can have on your on your desktop they're better than exchange as well anyway yeah and this is like super relevant
0: too because it's it's such a differentiating factor of bitcoin where you can actually store your wealth you own the keys the physical, yeah. like the physical keys you get to carry with you wherever you go. But, like, if you deposit money into your bank, we're seeing this issue right now with Silicon Valley Bank where there's billions of dollars that are locked up right now because there's a bank around the FDIC shut it down. So when you deposit your bank, it's, it's essentially an IOU. Like, yeah, they I, I, go and I, lend I, it out. They do all this other stuff. And, like, you're, you're lucky if you get it
5: back. I think, think class, the craziest thing to me was the fact that you can literally store it in your head. You don't need a wallet. You don't need a cold wallet. Your cold wallet is just there to basically give you insurance in case you, let's say, you bump your head and you uh, you forget your phrase. You can you still have your words. You can still write them down, keep them somewhere, or you can have them on your on your uh, on your cold wallet or your or a hot wallet. But the difference is that I mean, regardless, even if if let's say Ledger goes bankrupt or uh cold card goes bankrupt. You can still keep your 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 phrase is still yours. Your Bitcoin is still yours. You are the only
3: one who has access to it, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah your Bitcoin isn't on the wallet. It's just access is like it's your Bitcoin is in cyberspace, right? Right. Floating around in, in, in the ether. It's and, a ledger. That's all it is. You, all you
5: bring is. you basically have all you have is your. It's a record that holds. It's a record that, that shows who, which wallet owns which coins and how much of those coins. Basically, all you're doing is when you enter your phrase and you transfer a Bitcoin to somebody else, for example, you're just telling the uh, ledger that you're moving it to somebody else. That, that's all it is.
4: Like, in, in my opinion, like, this level of, like, uh, security until it's made simpler will be one of the biggest drawbacks to adoption because like, I used to work in intelligence and private security and stuff like that and like 100% of the time people will choose convenience over security like until that process of keys and storage and sending and receiving is simpler like it's never going to take off I agree. I agree, hundred percent, thousand percent. It's pretty nerve-wracking sending
0: Bitcoin on-chain for the first time. Even when I send large amounts to my 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 cold storage, my Nano Ledger, I'll send a test just to make sure everything is good. I'll send a test for like fifty bucks before I send the rest of it. It it can be pretty intimidating and scary. Um, I I'm purely speculating here, but I I I don't think that we'll see like mass adoption in uh, on stuff like that until like major institutions and banks offer custodial services, I do foresee a future where that's going to happen. I know Fidelity's pretty tapped in to Bitcoin, um, but I think until uh, you know there's more accredited institutions who start offering services like that, then we'll still be kind of the bloods will be fighting over it.
4: But then how does that how does that not still be like the old if if institutions are the ones that control all the off, on and off ramps then like what like how is it different?
0: I mean well still no one can print infinite amounts of Bitcoin. That's a big starter, right? There's still the scarcity factor and you still have the option if you want to send it to the custodial to the, from the institution so it's keep on the fidelity train. So if you send it from that fidelity you still have the right to send it to your cold storage if you want to take that um, next leap of uh,
3: of faith in that direction, and they're also going to have to hold on to it. Like, I mean, if an institution and, and I, I agree with you, institutions are very creative at finding ways to manipulate. And so, I think that they can they can, you know, in my opinion, if they hold on to like let's say have a forty thousand bitcoin. Let's say, right? Let's say bitcoin is up to like forty thousand dollars per coin. Well, in order to actually do anything with that bitcoin, they have to. They have to, right now, they have to actually give that Bitcoin away so that monetary energy does not stay with them. So they have to move it. They have to transfer it to somebody else. So how are they going to keep that monetary energy, right? They're going to have to find ways to manipulate. Sure, but, but like, what, like what good
4: is holding and storing wealth if you can't leverage it, right? So like I could have a giant, you know, you know coin pool of money in my garage, but like if I can't do anything with it, that's not super helpful.
5: Well, keep in mind that there are companies that are coming out now that are allowing you to borrow against your uh, your Bitcoin holdings, right? And you keep your keys. So let's say, I think a company, there's a company, um, I'm not going to mention the name, but there's companies where you keep your keys and they would give you, let's say, USDT or USDC. Well, like, and, oh, sorry, go ahead.
4: No, so like that, that's the like kind of point that I'm trying to round about get to. Like, there mm-hmm. will always be masses of people that can't understand the technology, don't want to understand the technology and want those easy rails, like the easy way to have this Bitcoin, but also leverage it. And like that will be where the institutions come in because they have the ability to create these products and hold these things. So like, again, we just, it feels like we're just circulating back into the same system. It's just with Bitcoin instead of fiat.
5: Yeah, I think I think that's right. I, I agree with that. I, I was actually considering that um, the fact that you can't. As, I mean, even if you if you trust, let's say, you, let's say I bank with TD, for example. I, I mean, there's always going to be ways for them to to take advantage of that, right? They take they, financial institutions will always try to take advantage of your trust. That's what happened with SVB, right? They took advantage of these tech companies' trust, and they kind of. I guess they, they they took advantage of it to make more money, and they screwed everybody over, which was which was really scary. And and if you consider it, if you consider the fact that, um, I mean, what you're saying, sorry, is analytics, what you're saying, it's absolutely true because most people will never get to that point of trust where they can keep their money with an institution, but other people can do that if they want to, right? I mean. Let's say I I'm, I would never want to keep my Bitcoin with an institution. I'd rather keep it with my with myself. I'd rather keep it in uh, my own secure location. While let's say somebody who is 90 years old and they don't want to take the risk of holding Bitcoin um, and risking losing their life savings, they can keep it with a custodian. And if they trust them, they
3: that that's up to them. You know, it, I, it, I think it will require a, 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 a big paradigm shift, you know, and, and uh, I think that you're, you are correct. I think it would definitely have to require a, a change in mentality. I mean, there's a lot of people, I think, was it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a 2 or two or 3 billion that are people who are unbanked and will never have the opportunity to have a bank. So from that perspective, I mean, they can get onto Bitcoin. They, 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 you know, they have the incentive to actually understand um, yeah. I mean, at the at the end of the
5: day, the, the the only thing that the only thing that really keeps you from keeping your Bitcoin on your own or keeping it with a financial institution is twelve words. And you can if you can't if you can't take responsibility of owning those twelve words and keeping them secure, I mean somebody's going to take advantage of you. Like it, 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 that's that's what that's what banks do, right? They they tell you, oh, your money is secure, and they pay you zero point zero five percent interest. And that's become normal now, right? A lot of people get taken advantage of because of that. And they're really getting nothing out of it. It's obviously a better solution compared to keeping all your money in your closet, for example. Like, you can't keep $100,000 in your closet, but you can keep it in a bank account. That's really the only reason why banking is so valuable. With, with Bitcoin, you don't need that, though. You can keep it on your own hard wallet. You can leave it somewhere. And it doesn't take up any space. You can store a billion dollars on a USB drive if you wanted to.
4: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. And, like, don't, like, let me be clear. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I dislike Bitcoin. Like, I do like Bitcoin, and I have Bitcoin. Perfect. And I, I agree in its, like, long-term potential value. Like, the, the arguments that I make and, like, have developed over, like, my time of, like, spending learning about bitcoin and, and stuff like i ultimately i am a speculator like i am a horrible investor because for the most for like i i'm good enough at what i do that like i can do better playing in shorter time frames compounding than just like the average buy and hold like strategy so like i don't have any desire to like just buy bitcoin and just like keep it forever and stuck and stick it away because like that seems ludicrous to me but like as as long term like, when I think about long-term trades, we'll say, like, I have to consider the reasons for like, not necessarily the reasons for, but, like, the reasons why it will, you know, go in my favor, and, like, I can find many reasons why Bitcoin is, like, a bad buy-and-hold investment over other speculative measures, like, speculative like, it's just, like, it's just a speculative instrument right now, and, like, until it's not, like, Nothing is really going to change about how Bitcoin behaves right now.
5: I I agree with you. I think your I think your input was I think that the fact that you actually gave that I, I think I think that you the, the fact that you brought that up makes a huge difference because there's definitely people who are thinking that way, right? I don't think everybody wants to I don't think everybody wants to take the risk of storing all of their money with 12 words. So that's an important. I mean that's an important perspective to look at. I, so I, I'm definitely not I mean I, 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 I like that you brought that up. I, I think yeah. that was a great that was great for, for this conversation. I know there's people there's there's people who want to learn from different perspectives. I I, I like that you brought that up.
3: Yeah, it's game theory one oh one. Like I mean you, 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 you totally you, you hit the nail on the head, like there's a lot of people and there's always gonna be that number of people, right? There's always gonna be people who want to subjugate their responsibility. And give it to somebody else right i don't know how many i don't know what that number is but you know there's always going to be that bitcoin is there's never going to be anything that's 100 percent of anything yeah and there's always people trying to play
5: different games everybody has a different time horizon like for example with uh sorry is it Zenalytics? is that is am i saying that right Zenalytics trading yes yeah yeah
4: that's my company but you can literally just call
5: me project oh awesome okay okay um so i i think that but that's that's what makes a market, right? There's always going to be people who have different perspectives. There's always going to be people who have different uh, time horizons. There's, there's always going to be people who are willing to sell and buy at the same time. Every every transaction has one person that thinks that a, that something is going to go up versus another person that's going to go where that thinks that it's going to go down. That's why that's why the people who seem to have done really well are the ones that are selling at the tops and buying at the bottoms. But I mean maybe that won't happen forever right maybe maybe at a point just because it's so predictable maybe that's not going to keep happening maybe maybe there won't be so many players who have crazy leverage like ftx maybe 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 there will be companies who um become more um i guess i guess become smarter with their decisions rather than trying to make an extra five cents on the dollar they're going to Hold and try to try to make money with fees, for example, right? Instead of giving, if, instead of lending people's money away to other people and uh, losing everything for everyone. I mean, maybe there will be eventually there will be companies who don't want to do that, and they are like like MicroStrategy, for example. They're
3: just holding. Swan Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. Swan Bitcoin.
2: Like, Hi, others, Todd. Uh, sorry, go ahead, maybe. Yeah, um, well, one thing I want to say is um, one Bitcoin is equal to one Bitcoin. You see, uh, I think the, the mindset that people have is they keep thinking about the dollar value. One Bitcoin equals to $20,000, one Bitcoin equals $25,000. But that's because you are thinking in dollars. And the U.S. dollar, as we know now, is getting weaker. It's, 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 it's not. It's, it's, um, it's a bubble that will burst. So you, you, you don't need FDIC insurance to, for, for to store your money in Bitcoin. You see, if you have your Bitcoin and, and you keep your Bitcoin in a safe wallet, um, whether there's, uh, there's the bank collapse or, or there's economic crisis, your Bitcoin will always be there because it's your Bitcoin. I think the problem people have is they don't want to take that responsibility to, to handle their own money. Instead, they give the banks the responsibility to, to, to take over the money for them. And when things turn out they expect the bank to sort them out. And that's not always the case. I think people need to understand what banks actually do. Banks are not your friend. They want to make money from you. So if people start to think like that, they, they will definitely start appreciating the, 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 um, the value that Bitcoin is trying to bring. Of the monetary system, so uh, for me, I believe if you if you hold Bitcoin and you believe that you're holding um, the true store value, long term you will reap the benefit of it. But if you are holding Bitcoin uh, to speculate on price because you're looking at it from the from the dollar sense of thinking, then you will get frustrated when the market is is, 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 uh, is down. Everything uh, everything has been going down, not just Bitcoin, but if you look at the past few years terms of return on, on investment, Bitcoin has uh, outperformed a lot of uh, asset, cla- asset classes out, out there. So, uh, personally, I feel, I feel uh, uh, Bitcoin is just starting. It's just starting. This is just the beginning. I think once once the, the, the problems we are seeing now with the Silicon Valley Bank is the tip of the iceberg, I think eventually people will start to appreciate Bitcoin for what it is. Because um, We've been saying this for years. They've, they've called Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme. They've called it a scam. They said it's not the true store of value. But we, uh, we can see today um, there, is, there is inflation everywhere. Uh, the U.S. increased the, the debt ceiling the other day. Um, now we're seeing banks going, going down because they couldn't use the funds. They have the uh, customer's funds very, very well. Uh, but with Bitcoin, you, you are very, very safe.
0: And I think uh, to your point on you know Bitcoin... Uh, is one bitcoin and all that is great and bitcoin uh should be its own network we should be going towards that but we still do live in a fiat world where you know you still like uh privacy smurf is saying we still need to be able to use it in the real world and i think that's where a lot of the speculation and investing comes into play which i know if you guys follow privacy smurf he's really big into uh the cycles and he, uh, his newsletter is great to help guide you on how to think about things in the coming weeks and months um and I think Nate did you have anything to add with uh kind of from an investment side or uh
1: cycles point of view well yeah I was actually really curious um and I think this is a nice segue actually uh in, what privacy smart? maybe you can start this conversation with respect to and I really <laughs> I really like your, your uh comment uh, I'll just say ludicrous everybody you got some you got some some rumblings in the crowd here, which is great from a standpoint of long-term holding. I would really like your perspective on the near term and how you trade, um, you know, the Bitcoin price action. But um, overall, you know, there's there's the different cycles um, that we see, and, and I'm curious what uh, the thoughts are out there with respect to, you know, coming towards the end of this year and, you know, how those cycles work exactly. Um, what I see just from a very technical standpoint is that we've you know we've come off of a a recent bottom here um we've based for a while we i think the i mean i'm gonna use real rough numbers but you know 17 to 20k is the range that we were in for a minute broke above got all the way up to about 25k and now we're back down testing just retesting the prior consolidation level which to me is healthy um if you're looking for Uh, move higher and you know again just my pure you know purely technical analysis on it all um but yeah again i'm curious what others have to say about price um this year and in the next cycle for bitcoin
5: i mean i think using using price to your advantage you, you can you can use price to your advantage you can get more Or you can get less with the same amount of money that you have. Like, if you ignore price, for example, at the top of the cycle, obviously, I I think Bitcoin will probably hit those prices again. But if you spent $100,000 a year ago, you would have gotten, what, 1.3, 1.4 Bitcoin? But if you spend $100,000 now, you'd get 5 Bitcoin. Like, paying attention to the cycles is, I think, I think it's key. Right? Regardless of one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, regardless of that, I think it's important to live in the real world to realize that Bitcoin is traded for U.S. dollars and it's possible to take advantage of price fluctuations. Like, There's always going to be people who don't think of it that way. So if you just think of it as one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, I mean, you might get taken advantage of when you think one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin and it's selling for $70,000, but... It's the top of the range, right? I feel like the I feel like the fact that I mean, um, it, it's important to look at it's important to look at the the US dollar price, regardless of how convicted you are in the Bitcoin strategy.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think that we're on a downtrend in Bitcoin right now. I think I, I think there's not going to be you know there's not the Fed isn't going to pivot. There's not going to be a, a bull run. You know I think I think we're in a downtrend and I think I think it's going to break to the downside I think the likelihood of it breaking to the downside personally is gonna is, is going to is, is a little higher given what's what's going to be happening with the fed that's my personal opinion but
4: uh, I mean everything everything is about your time horizon right so like the the overall trend uh, what we all like to believe like well there' in cycles there's there's a cycle and there's a trend it's like you The trend overall if you look at bitcoin from inception is up like that's undeniable like it is higher than it was when it was first created but like there are cycles within that and those cycles are also cycles in nature are fractal like there are cycles and cycles and cycles and cycles and like one one of the things that was like big for me because i had not really been in the crypto space before like 2020 was like the peaking in like november uh was that, 2021, um, because, like, that was the time of, like, exuberance, and people were like, oh, yeah, 100K Bitcoin, and I was like, mm, I don't know about that, but, like, the history of the, like, traditional theory of the four-year cycle of Bitcoin has existed in, like, this longer-term, like, upwards cycle, and, like, the, if you're looking at a, a culminate, like, the, the peak in, like, November, then was like a culmination of daily cycle tops weekly cycle tops, monthly cycle tops and like there's not enough history of bitcoin to like analyze beyond like the monthly scale because like there haven't been enough years to like look at a yearly cycle um but like
3: and there is no there's no there's no metric in existence right now that's that's uh, for bitcoin anyway that's um you know that kind of uh, you, you can use to responsibly analyze what's going on in the world right now economically, right? So uh, that's also a big issue. Yes, you right? know. I
4: mean, it, it, like, it's like Bitcoin is still a financial instrument. Like, it's not necessarily, like, it, if you go, like, with the specific word, fundamentally it is different than other financial instruments, but it's still a financial instrument in and of itself, and it's going to react very similarly to other financial, like, like the same criteria that, like, dominates like the effects of financial asset movement
3: Uh, agree agree for sure and
4: and i'm i'm also in agreement with you that i think that like the the trend for like the next i don't know like overall like year or so will probably be down because like we are on like the downward leg of like this longer macro cycle that's probably beyond like, a four-year perspective, like, it's probably, like, an eight- or a 12-year cycle that has topped, and we are now on the bottom side of that, does that mean the price will necessarily go down the entire time? No, because, like, there are up waves and down waves within cycles, but all, like, I try to think of it as, like, uh, like, the current of a river, like, being on, like, the downward leg of this longer-term cycle means that, like, the shorter-term upward cycles are going against the current, so, like, they can go up but it probably won't go as high and that's the effect that you see when you look at bitcoin from its inception and the what people like to refer to as the diminishing returns of the cycles because we're getting to the top of this longer term like 12-year cycle so like it's harder for games to like happen and like right. now we're on the downhill side of that so like it'll be easier to go down than it will go up so like if you look at how the four year cycle of bitcoin is which i don't think there's a four year cycle is shorter than that but anyways um like you have like a down year then you have like a consolidation year and then you have two up years well like now we're probably in the inverse of that where you have like a really really bad down year like a probably like uh lesser down year maybe consolidation and like a short up year and then, like a good up year, like we're probably just like reversing the order of like how the cycles have been working. Uh, I, I can you walk
0: us through your uh, assumptions related to that? Um, I know a lot of people probably don't understand the cycles and how the four-year cycle that you're talking about. It's if so, you're not sure, it's, it's related to the the Bitcoin halving event, which occurs every four years. But I know that there's still uh, like there's still speculation involved that
1: uh, yeah.
0: people buy a heading like, ahead of that, like, a couple months ahead of that, which shortens the cycles. Um, can you just walk us through how you, how you see that? Yeah,
4: the, the prevailing the prevailing theory of Bitcoin's price movement year over year is revolving around the halving event where, like, the supply, like, the generated supply is, like, cut in half every time, like, a block is, you know, created or whatever, like, the supply is cut in half. Um, so people anticipate that, like, the year of the halving, people are accumulating into the having event, there's the having event, and there's less supply on the market, so that drives prices up, um, and then after you have, like, these two explosive years, then you have, like, your your distribution from all the profits, and stuff goes down for a year, then you have accumulation into the year prior of the halving, and then you have your having event, then you go up in there for the next two years, like, that's the prevailing theory of, like, how Bitcoin's price moves, and, like, traditionally that like that is a rhythm that exists in the charts if you're looking at the yearly chart like that does exist I don't look like anecdotally at charts like that um, I use a process that's kind of like sound engineering uh, in like frequency analysis where you're transforming the time series data which is just like you know price over time you're transferring that into like a frequency basically. And then you're doing career analysis on it to identify statistically valid uh, fluctuations in the data. Um, And that going through that process, like if you look at like weekly data of Bitcoin, there isn't any statistically valid repetition around a four year time frame, like that just it just does not exist in the data set. Like but there is like a shorter fluctuation that is statistically valid, which is like three and a half years give or take, you know. Um it's like around 185 weeks is like a very statistically valid cycle in that like shows up in the data analysis. Um and that was what I used back in November to be like, hey look, I think we're topping regardless of what people are saying and the reason that people missed the top in november was because they're all operating on the idea of a 4-year cycle. And if you if you overlay like a, a shorter cycle, like if you overlay a 185 week cycle and a 4-year cycle, for the most part starting from the beginning, they will be relatively in sync because like they're just close enough that like you don't notice. But as you get further and further along in time, the peaks and the troughs will be further and further apart from each other. And that's what happened in November. Like we got to a point where we were at this 185 week top, but the four year top was further down the line. So people are still expecting upwards price movement, but the actual cycle that is present in the data was shorter and was topping. So like that is why People who are all thinking about this four-year cycle are waiting for higher prices, like 100K, when 69 was like actually the top because that was like present in the data as like
3: the cyclical peak. So, can I ask you one, one question? W- was that also like that time in November? Wasn't that didn't that coincide with the Fed, the Fed's um, hiking? Okay, so um, late well. Or? this is this is probably
4: where I will deviate from literally most like, 99.9% of analysts, like, I don't put any weight into any of that. Like, all I do is I just look at the cycles and price action. I don't pay attention, really, to the news. I don't weigh it in my analysis. Like, none of that. Yeah, that's definitely
0: a big difference between, you know, (laughs) technical traders and uh, fundamental, you know, dollar-cost averagers, right? Yeah, um, you are focused on purely price movements, and you react, and you can kind of foresee where you know. Obviously, the, the charts tell stories, right? Yeah. I know Nate is really good at that. He hosts this Sunday Spaces, talking about you know up, things that he's looking at in the in the stock market, and it, it kind of is like a similar analysis to it sounds like like you do. Uh, yeah. MC.
4: Like, like I mean, like I said, I'm just a speculator, and like I can't, like I can't know what people think and I also can't know how they will act based on what they think I can guess on that but I don't want to do that because like it could be literally anything because people often act against their self-interest all the time so like what I think is a logical reaction to something may not happen so like I don't care to like spend my time figuring
1: that out you can oh no I was just go crazy trying to figure that out and I'll just add that, you know, personally I like to use both, right? If you if you have a, a strong fundamental understanding of what you're trading, it's only going to well, it should help you trade in your trading if you're able to um, you know, not create a strong bias one way or another with your short-term trading. But, yeah. you know, it helps you understand the the movements, the price action a little bit more, I think. But I, you know, there's definitely mean I mean, trade I trade also purely on technical um analysis and in, in some spots as well and I think there's room for both here certainly. And what were yeah, you going to say to I think
4: like I think the fundamental aspect is also something that people like what you just mentioned is like informing like your your trading bias. Like I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't get right is that like fundamental like oftentimes are slow moving indicators and like because like one of the narratives that like was popping around like during the like 2020 bull run and stuff like that was like adoption 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 institutional adoption like well cool like that doesn't like yes there is a t- institutional adoption but like they're also going to do things to like protect themselves along the way so it's like just because they're here doesn't mean they'll like always be here they'll also sell out at certain times because they have like fiscal responsibilities you know um like not everyone can be micro strategy uh, in el salvador um like fundamentals like don't necessarily matter if like the market in quote doesn't agree with it like it it doesn't matter how much institutional adoption there is if people keep selling like there can be adoption out the wazoo but like if everyone's selling their bitcoin it doesn't really matter how fundamentally strong bitcoin is and you're right let's explore that a
0: little bit um so then, what, what what technical indicators are should are should like crypto or Bitcoin investors specifically focus on? I know right like, now the 200 weekly movie average is a big one to focus on,
4: but is there anything in the meantime? Like if if we were if we were talking about a fundamental aspect, sort of in air quotes, like going into like chain analytics, what I focus on like to inform my timing is active like uh, unique active addresses. And the adjusted spent output profit ratio those two are probably the best like metrics that I found that work in conjunction with technical signals Uh, Unique active addresses is just how many how many unique wallet addresses on the Bitcoin blockchain have transacted? like sending money from one place to another like typically like when you have peaks of unique active addresses when you have like bearish divergence, which is when prices are setting new highs, but a price action oscillator is not setting a new high. Like typically when you have high unique active addresses and bearish divergence with new highs and prices, that is a sure sign that like, there isn't actually real unique participation in like, there isn't like you're in like retail FOMO mode and it's not like institutional levels. And like, that's a time to start taking profits. Um, like that's just, I've seen that across both in the NFT space. I've seen that both in the Bitcoin space. Like unique active addresses is, is like a very good sign. If you have bears divergence in price but really high user volume, then get out.
3: I think also that, that that's a really good I, uh, a really good segue or not a segue but a good conversation as well. What are what are on-chain analytics? Because that's really that 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 that's moving at a really fast pace. Like what is that stuff? So it's it's pretty interesting. Sorry, sorry guys, before we go, go ahead, I actually, I actually
5: have to hop off this call, I didn't want to just jump off, um, I, I have to do something else, uh, great conversation, great talking to you guys.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining, and hopefully we can get you on a future call, because this has been a fantastic conversation, and, and really appreciate all your contributions today.
5: Oh, for sure, of course, great talking to you guys.
1: Alright, have a great day. Hey,
5: Alright,
1: I'm going to hop off, bye. Bye. Hey, so, also, go
0: ahead. So, on.
4: On-chain analytics is just like – like the blockchain is just an open ledger. Like it's it's just every transaction written down on a sheet of paper basically, you know. And on-chain analytics is just looking at that ledger and taking every single possible, possible like knowable fact from that data. And like there's no shortage of possible things you can glean from – that data you can look at how like how much like how many wallets hold over X amount of Bitcoin. You can look at how many times you know this wallet sent money to that wallet, or you can like there's there's so many things. Um, like one of the interesting ones that I I messed around with for a while was like uh, it's called different things on different platforms. Like Glassnode is a good um, on-chain analytics website. So is uh, CryptoQuant. Um, there, there are tons of them. But um, one, one kind of interesting to watch is called, uh, like, on one website, it's called Wave, and I don't remember what it's called on Glassnode, but it's where you're analyzing the different, like, portfolio sizes across, like, the market. So you have, like, little fish and you have whales. Like, fish would be, like, the people who have, like, less than 0. .0001 Bitcoin, and whales have over, you know, 25 Bitcoin or something like that. Um, like what's interesting is watching the amount of each individual group, like how their holdings are like increasing or decreasing. Not really, not necessarily their holdings are increasing or decreasing, but the number of like people that fit into each of these categories tell an interesting story. Like because you think of you think of the market as a transfer of wealth. Like when you're when you see. The holdings of larger wallets start transferring and increasing the number of shorter-term participants like that's a good sign it's like hey maybe we should get out of here because like the people who are the long-term holders are selling out their bags to the people who are like the short-term holders um, like on analytics is super interesting but the problem is it's like uh, information overload there's too many things and not all of it's particularly
1: relevant yeah that's familiar <laughs> that's very familiar right you can get information overload in anything you want to trade really like so um i think this has been a fantastic conversation i would i, I honestly would love to get everybody here uh on a future calls i mean we've had I, i've noted down a few things i think we could have entire calls around you know just the path to major adoption in the U S and talking about, you know, what that might look like starting in emerging markets elsewhere. Um, I would think we could have an entire, <laughs> a pod on, on chain analytics, what we're just talking about right now. And, um, also we can have an, I think a discussion, a really in depth discussion on, uh, the thoughts on exchanges and how to hold and transfer dollars and, and cold storage. You know, we, we dipped into that a little bit today, but, you know how all of that works, I think is one of those barriers to entry for Bitcoin and I think providing more information along those lines is a, is only going to be helpful to everybody um, and then you know conversation around ordinals i'm I'm fascinated by personally um, but maybe I'm just you know that's a nerd in me um, but I think all of these things we could have future spaces hopefully you guys are interested in and in joining and having those conversations um, I did want to ask. The group here and Ty, I don't know if you had any additional questions, but I, I wanted to get into uh, you know, one last con- comment here or one last uh, topic. I mean, and that is, you know, what content are you consuming currently? Like, what's what would you recommend as far as you know, books, YouTube videos, blogs? You know, if you have something yourself that you're putting out there, what what can folks look forward to uh, or look at as far as getting educated and learning about Bitcoin? Ty, what what about you? Where do you, where would you start with that?
0: Uh, well, I would start with following everybody on this panel. All of us That's have a, great a lot start. to say and discuss, and most of us have newsletters and provide input there. Um, in terms of what to uh, consume a content I'm looking at, I, I mean, I'm just all over Twitter spaces, um, and uh, I follow... Uh, I watch the What Bitcoin Did podcast regularly. That's a pretty good one. Uh, the host, uh, he's a non-technical Bitcoiner, so as a non-technical bitcoiner myself that helps you know it provides more you know layman's terms on what's going on it breaks down a lot of complex uh you know cases or co- complex issues in bitcoin and breaks it down which was the again uh, time it's called what bitcoin did
1: what bitcoin did thanks
0: yep yep so that's a good one to start uh that's pretty much uh what I'm doing now and then just consuming books um listen to a lot of audiobooks.
3: um
1: So that's helpful. What Bitcoin did. I'll check that out. What about you, Eric?
3: Well, I follow what Bitcoin did and I follow, um, like huge, I'm a huge fan of that show and I follow, um, um, Robert Breedlove. What is money? He's a little bit more philosophical, but he has, he has really good guests. So I follow that. Um, and, uh, the people who I really pay attention to, um, um, are a gentleman called Jeff Booth. And uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Price of Tomorrow. And then another person called Lynn Alden. And um, she's writing a book right now as well. But um, they're really good people uh, to follow. I agree um, with that. Yep, I agree. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's a slow, like Greg Foss, Lawrence Leopard, I could go on, but it's, just, it, it's there's a lot of people in the space that were, are not traditionally people in the space which is why i named them for you guys because yeah, like, I, I, they're technology they're technologists they're, tr- they're traditional finance people they're bankers they're they're all people who are totally um they don't have a background in in the space but have gotten into it so yeah that's
1: yeah. Fa- that's fascinating Thanks. so yeah, jeff I mean, booth Jeff's book, and the
3: book the price of tomorrow it's it's a super
0: fascinating book it talks about how the inflationary pressures of the dollar and the deflationary pressures of technology are meeting. And it's just a fascinating read on how, how those worlds, uh, I guess, yeah, are meeting. So
3: I definitely concur. That's a good book to read.
1: What was the second name? Lynn Alden? Is that what you said?
3: Lynn Alden. L Y N. Yeah. A L D E N. They're all over YouTube, by the way. Awesome. There's like, there's, yeah, they're all over YouTube, Robert, you know, like they're everywhere. Um, Greg Foss, Lawrence Leppard, they're all over the, the, the space as well. But yeah, Lynn Alden is freaking phenomenal. She, she's like a, she's like a, a, a rock star.
4: I, I can't exactly second <laughs> Lynn Alden enough, uh, like 100% yeah. agree with that. Nice. Um, I, like for an intro to finding a lot of good voices and thinkers in the space, I listen, I, I really like the breakdown of Danny Whitmore, his podcast, like he does like macro Bitcoin kind of analysis. Nice. Um, and both like more than just macro Bitcoin, but like it's really some, kind of centered around Bitcoin. But he has a good mind, I like to think, and like the way he thinks critically about stuff, like he gets the good people and asks the good questions to them, um, and he introduces a lot of good voices to to like follow. Um, and just from like one of the things that I, one of the people I really like to follow is Jason Choi. He's a VC. Um and that's like a really icky space for a lot of people, but he's probably one of the most like transparent and like interesting thinkers in the V C space. Um and I I like like many of the times where I've been thinking a thing, I read something that he had written and was like, Oh shit, we're like right on target. So um yeah, he's a
3: good one to follow as
1: well. Jason Tui, Got it. Thanks, I appreciate that newbie uh i did not meet you until today and i have thoroughly enjoyed every bit of input that you have contributed to this conversation so thanks for joining what what uh do you have any uh, suggestions as far as uh, what content you're consuming
2: uh, to be very honest i'm not fully uh just bitcoin i am more on the ethereum side as well uh, but for oh, nice. bitcoin i do follow a guy who's is- very well known in the space, um, Andreas. Um, I can't pronounce his surname. Antonopoulos. Um, he's very good. He's been um, he's been talking about Bitcoin for years. He's got the knowledge. He's someone that I follow very closely. Um, I think you guys have mentioned some very very good um, um, sources for for Bitcoin knowledge. So uh, I think I've learned a couple of stuff from you guys uh, this evening. Thank you so he much. Wrote, he
3: wrote The Bitcoin Standard. Sorry to jump in there. He wrote the book, the book called The Bitcoin Standard. It's a good book.
1: Right. Excellent. That's, 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 that's good to know. Yeah, we, a space on Ethereum is something uh, I'm interested in as well, so maybe I'll be in touch on that if you're interested.
2: Yeah, sure,
1: sure. That's fantastic. Well, um... I think that kind of wraps it for today. Um, I I really want to do this again. This has been fantastic. I'm going to post this just so everybody knows to my Substack. There's a link in my bio if you're interested. Um, You can you know listen or you know without subscribing. If you want to subscribe, I have uh, Hosty Spaces weekly and I post them all to the Substack, so you can take a listen. Um, That's at uh, again. That's a Traders Education on Substack. So again, appreciate everybody's contributions today. It's been a great discussion. Got through a lot, and uh, we'll do this again. Everybody, have a great rest of your day.
3: Thank you for this.
0: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, Ty. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Eric. Thanks, everybody.